What up, what up, party people, and happy Monday. It is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And being that it is Monday, it is also a great time to write out a fresh list of goals for the week. You see, there's something extremely satisfying about having a to-do list in front of you. I found that by having a to-do list in front of me, it releases any hidden anxiety because it basically takes anything that's sitting in your subconscious of something that you need to do, putting it on paper and making you just overall feel much more organized about what you're doing. And also a to-do list brings you awareness towards the necessary steps you must take in order to ensure a productive week. When it comes to organization with my goals, I personally use a tool called Notion to keep track of all my weekly, monthly, and yearly goals, but even a simple pen and paper work great. One of my favorite sayings is, show me your goals and I will show you your future. So if you're listening to this podcast and you do not have your goals written out, stop immediately and write out your monthly and yearly goals so you know what you're freaking working towards. Now, today's episode is going to be an absolute treat because I have the pleasure of bringing on one of the most elite online social marketing trainers that I know, Ms. Erin Birch. Erin is touted as one of the elite trainers inside of an organization of over 10,000 online marketers, and she didn't get there by mistake. She's very, very vocal about her own personal transformation when she decided to quit playing small and take control of her life. I have the pleasure of personally working with Aaron directly inside of one of my ventures and I can confidently say you're going to absolutely love what she has to say. I find it personally fascinating how Aaron discusses the different types of energies that exist in the world as well as how she went about reprogramming her brain. Aaron has the ability to live at such a high vibration of energy that she can trigger emotions instantly as well as self-motivate herself to hit a specific goal. Just this past month, Aaron was the number one recruiter in all of Canada, which is absolutely unbelievable inside of our organization. On this episode, we discuss how you can reprogram your brain to conquer health issues, personal issues, and to crush it inside of your business, how to go about taking yourself out of having a victim mindset, and the lessons Erin wished she knew when getting into the online marketing world. As always, you can watch this podcast with Erin and I live from YouTube. And without further ado, episode 79 with Erin Birch. Let's jump into it. Boom. Happy hump day party, people. We are live with Aaron Birch. Aaron, how you doing? Fantastic. Thank you. How are you? Living the dream. And Aaron, I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. I know we've been working together for quite some time. You are an absolute just star-studded freak of nature when it comes to building a business, being stern. And you're just one of the most upbeat, happy low maintenance type of people. So you get along with everyone. Have you always been that way? Well, one thing I've learned about myself is I wasn't the most patient person. I've had to, I've had to learn to be more patient for sure. Patience in the sense of just patient with people. Mm -hmm. Patient with people, patient with situations. I'm like the road rager, you know, you cut me off. I'm the one flipping you off kind of thing. you, you're too close to me. I'll probably slam on my brakes. That kind of person. Yeah, you kind of. <laughs> it seems like you hit that boiling point, right? If someone does something, sometimes you'll you'll convert that one little thing, and it'll just kind of boil your water. And until someone brings you back down to earth, you can escalate a situation more than you need to. So that's something you're working on. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I've gotten much better. I used to be the, if the flight was late, you know, or canceled, I'd be the one in everyone's face freaking out. <laughs> and I, with, you know, with me working on my mindset and all the personal development, I've completely changed my perspective about everything. And of course that makes life a lot more pleasant when you're not always freaking out. Right. And now you're, I mean, you're, you've been a full-time online entrepreneur for a while now and you've coached and trained people from all over the world. So one thing that blows me away and every time I talk to you, I get valuable information from is your personal development is just on another level. And, and you talk a lot about, you know, one of your favorite people, Dr. Joe Dispenza, breaking the habit of being yourself and reprogramming your mind. Maybe it'd be nice just to kind of give the audience a little bit of a background on how you first stepped into this online world and what that transition was like. Well, I woke up on my 44th birthday and I did the math. I did the math. If I'm 44 and I'm going to live to about 88, that means my life is half over. I've lived half my life already. So the next natural thing to happen to a human being is you start asking yourself the questions, right? Am I where I thought I would be at this age? Am I fulfilled? Am I living my purpose? Am I truly happy? Right? So I asked myself all these questions and the answers were, were no, no, I'm not right. I'm like only half, I'm half living kind of thing. So I then realized because of my age, I either do something about that now or never, right? I can't wait 25 years to take action, to make the changes necessary to be as fulfilled as I wanted to be. So that day, essentially, I changed everything in my life, everything in my life. The only thing I kept the same really were my kids. I kept my kids. Everything else I changed, right? It's your job to make you happy. That was another realization I had. I'm like, okay, no one is going to make me happy and fulfilled. I have to do this for myself. So make the changes necessary. So I made a lot of changes. That's the day I became single. So you're in a relationship and it was a toxic relationship and you felt like it was kind of holding you back from your potential? It wasn't, to I wouldn't say toxic. Uh, I would just say more, we had very different, we had totally different energy, totally different energy, totally different goals. You know, um, we just, we didn't think the same way, want to live the same way, all that kind of stuff, right? I don't believe you're necessarily meant to be with the same person forever. I believe you meet people for certain reasons, right? It might be just that time you're meant to be with that person. And I very much felt my time with this person was up. I wasn't learning from him. I was growing and he wasn't. You know, when you start doing personal development and the, your, the people in your life who aren't doing personal development say things like, you've changed. And they look at it like this, this, this bad thing and you're going, thanks, thanks for noticing. And they say it because they're not evolving, right? You are evolving and they're not. And it's impossible to stay with someone who isn't evolving when you are. That's an interesting 
topic you bring up because I mean, when you get into a relationship with somebody, maybe you date for two, three, four years upwards before, you know, you, you peg the question and now you're bound for life and eternity. Uh, you've only really known that person for one, two, three, or four years. You know, you're making the best judgment with the information you currently have at hand. Having a partner is great. It seems like the natural progression. But things change, people's change, times change, and being able to make those adjustments requires a lot of freaking boldness, you know, especially once you get into that comfort zone of being inside of a marriage, being comfortable, you know, having shared responsibilities, maybe it's children, pets, you know, mortgages, you know, anything financial. Breaking out of that and finding a new path, that must be a, just a total, just a mind fuck. I found it incredibly liberating incredibly liberating because I realized I had been holding myself back my entire life. I was not ever playing up to my full potential because as I told you the other day, I felt if I kind of came out and became my true self and shared that with the world that I was going to be too much for people, right? Somebody in my life, a couple people made me feel that I was just kind of too much right so I tried to kind of tone that down and I kind of woke up that morning and I went you know what fuck it who am I living for myself right you get to a place when you're older and you kind of stop caring what people think so much about you and you're like screw it man my life is half over I'm gonna make sure this second half of my life just rocks and, it, and it's all about that mindset and that, that personal development you've done. And you talk about Joe Dispenza and what I am so fascinated about. And you did this training call for our team recently that was just absolutely incredible. And you talked about this whole idea that you had to reprogram your brain to get to a point where you believed in yourself enough to take on any goal. I mean, just recently, you become the top recruiter in, in a company with tens of thousands of distributors all around the world. And you're number one in Canada. Amongst 10,000 entrepreneurs, everyone has the same compensation plan, the same opportunity, yet you decided something clicked in your brain to go on an absolute frenzy and to stay consistent with that for over almost 25 days now, and you're on track to hit a huge goal. How do you do that? What goes on in your brain to do that? Well, when I knew I needed to make changes in my life and you know, when I knew I wanted to create my best life right? I knew I couldn't do that being the person I currently was because the way I was, the person that I was, was too afraid of what people thought of her, right? So I knew I had to become the person that would be able to create this dream business, that could create results. I needed to become that person because I wasn't the person who could get that done. So therefore, how do you become that person? You change your, oh God, you reprogram your brain. You got to program the bullshit that's holding you back and reprogram your brain so that you're able to create the kind of success that you desire. So everyone, every human has this programming in their brain that comes from before the age of seven and it is, it is imprinted in your subconscious mind, right? You create these beliefs about yourself. When your brain as a child is so impressionable, you take things that are said to you 
or things that happen and you misread them, right? So somebody in your life, it could be, I was using the example the other day of let's say you're six years old and mom says, can you clean off the, the dining room table? So you get the cloth and you're cleaning it off and you leave a couple crumbs, right? You're six. And mom says, you know, oh, there's a couple crumbs there. You know, you could have done a better job. And six-year-old brain is going, oh my God, I'm not good enough. She doesn't think I'm good enough. And what happens for a child, survival, survival. You're thinking about your very survival. So if mom doesn't think I'm good enough, she might kick me out of the tribe. How am I going to survive on my own out in this big, huge world? I need mom to love me and not want to reject me and kick me out of the tribe, right? So now you're going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And you go into this stress mode and then you start living in, in a state of stress at an early age. And then you go on through life and things happen. Other people say things, events happen where that belief in yourself that you are not enough, you are not good enough is reinforced, right? So let's say you're now playing soccer and you miss the shot at the net and the, you go off the field and the coach says, oh man, you should have had that. Boom, right, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, right? Then you're in high school and you're dating somebody and they dump you for the cheerleader, right? Not, it doesn't go through your head that, oh yeah, we weren't really a good, good, you know, we didn't really connect on a good level. You're going, I'm not enough, she's better than me, I'm not enough, that's why he dumped me. And did you know, that once you have these beliefs in your head, your subconscious mind will look for opportunities to make sure you believe that BS belief about yourself. It will look for situations to kind of go, see, see, you're not good enough. See, see, and your brain will look for these opportunities. It's self-sabotage. So here you are 35 years old and you have this belief about yourself that you're not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not whatever. How are you supposed to be a successful human being? How are you going to be able to take the action necessary to build this dream business? How are you going to be able to get into a really wonderful, healthy relationship when you think you're a piece of shit? You can't. You got to reprogram that shit out of your mind. Easier said than done. It's easy. It's easy. How? How it's is that easy? super easy. It takes consistency. It's easy to do, but it takes consistency. Most people, when they know how to do it, they might do it for a couple of days and they go, oh, it's not going to work. Right? And they give up on it. Here, oh, I don't think I've ever told you this before, Ian. I was thinking about this last night when I was doing the dishes. I have always known that the human brain is this impressionable. I remember when I was about six years old, laying in my bed, and I remember going, huh, if I wanted to, I could convince myself that the neighbors are aliens. I knew that if I simply told myself that over and over and over again, over a period of time, I would begin to believe that. I understood that at the age of six. I also then became very, very obsessed with the ideas how easily, how, how easily people are brainwashed, like how, people who join cults. It is so easy to brainwash a person, to reprogram their brain. 
to change their beliefs, to change their thought patterns. It's incredibly easy to do. That's why people fall victims to cults. And I understood this at such an early age. I remember in grade four when everyone else was doing reports on cats and dogs, I was doing cults. I was doing You were doing cults like you're researching cults? Yeah, yes. I was researching it. My report, when all the kids were doing a report for school on cats and dogs, my report was on cults. Oh, damn. Mine was lizards. (laughs) I wanted to go into forensic medicine the whole bit. I'm fascinated with the human mind. Right? So I understood that, okay, so if my brain, my subconscious mind is holding me back and making me believe I'm not capable. All my life, I thought it was stupid, by the way. I had convinced myself, people, a few people said things to me that made me, I chose to take that as I'm stupid. And I believed that my entire life. So why would I have gone out and done big things when deep down I believe I'm not even smart enough to pull it off? So why would I try? I didn't. I played small because I didn't think I had the brains to play big. But I also understood how easily the brain can be reprogrammed. So I'm like, well, Jesus, I just need to reprogram my brain, right? And I started doing things to my own brain. Then I was introduced to Joe Dispenza and to the homework before you go to his progressive workshop was to watch this series of five videos, right? So I'm watching these five videos and like this was all new, supposedly new information for me, but I'm watching these and I remember bawling my eyes out one night because I'm going, I know this stuff. I know this stuff. I've been doing this stuff to myself, you know, for a lot of it throughout my entire life, but I've been going hardcore for a couple months doing this stuff to myself. And I messaged my buddy who made me watch the videos and I went, I know this stuff. And he goes, course you do we all have this information just most people don't tap into it it's ancient knowledge it's ancient knowledge that we all have access to it's just most people don't access it right that's interesting so you're saying that we all have access to this we can all tap into this but why do so few people come to the realization that they can because a lot of people are so addicted to their own thoughts they're getting something from it. Few different reasons, right? You become addicted to your thoughts. Here's the thing. So if you believe, you know, I'm a loser, I'm not good enough, blah, 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 blah. You go to bed, you wake up in the morning, right? You get up, you go pee, you look in the mirror, you look at yourself. Let's say you happen to wake up that day and you had a great dream and you wake up and you're all cheerful, right? You're feeling good about yourself all that kind of thing. You look in the mirror. Oh my God, I look pretty today. Whatever. You, the human brain is so, your subconscious mind is so used to you thinking you're a piece of shit that your subconscious mind will go, wait a minute, girlfriend. We don't think that about ourselves, that we're pretty and good enough and all that. No, we think we're an ugly loser. Remember, remember this feeling that you're feeling about yourself that is good that's not how we feel. We need you to go back and feel the way you're used to feeling. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then you go, right, I'm an ugly loser. Okay, there's that feeling I know. There's that feel. Okay, Ooh, oh, okay, I'm me again. I am me again. You 
spend the rest of your day in that mode again. So after you went through that transformation, what was life like since reprogramming your brain? I cry every day. I cry every day out of pure joy. Like you wake up and just cry? I'm going to do it right now. I do. My boys think I'm nuts because I'll be driving, you know, listening to music or something and I'll just start crying or we'll be hiking and I'll just start crying because I live at such an ultra high vibration. I'm so happy all the time because I have such control over my thoughts, right? Because your thoughts create your emotions, your emotions create your behaviors. So when you are in such complete control of your own thoughts, you can con- you control your emotions, right? And then you have control over your behavior. So you do the things necessary to build your business. You do the things necessary to go vegan. I'm on week three, by the way. <laughs> um, you do the things that make you go to the gym. You do the things. What about someone that is going through some like hardcore medical challenges where they feel like it's out of their control. It's, it's unfair. You know, they look at people that might be super healthy and they, those people might be upset and they're looking at those people like, how dare they be upset? Because if they only knew what was going on in my life, how, what, what would you say to those people? Love this question because I'm going to teach you a little mindset hack that I do to myself that it has been completely life-changing. I, that's called being in victim mode, right? Oh, poor me. I don't have any control over the things that are happening to me. I'm just a victim. When you change your thinking to, I am a creator, right? It is life-changing. So what you can do for yourself, what I do for myself, when something doesn't go my way, even with this, I've been sick for like three weeks, right? I mean, it's it's by no means, is it this, you know, I certainly don't have cancer or anything. But just as an example, when, so when something doesn't go my way, instead of going, oh, poor me, this sucks, blah, 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 blah. Or if my plane doesn't take off and I'm stranded in a foreign city in a snowstorm overnight, the old me would have been freaking out. The new me instead goes, huh, this is interesting. Why did I create this to happen? I'm a creator of my own reality. So why did I create this to happen? I will look for what I am meant to get out of it. Who knows? I could meet Prince Charming tonight, right? Or this is the universe telling me to slow down and chill out and relax, take a break, go to the hotel, have a hot tub, right? I always look for the reason I created it so that you always get something out of it. Even a sickness, you created that for a reason. Look for the reason, what you're meant to get out of it. Maybe you're going to make yourself healthy again and then be able to help other people, you know, get healthy again from the same sickness, for example. Yeah, that seems so powerful because it's just looking, it's a next level of looking at the bright side of things. What can this teach me? What I'm not a victim. You know what? Things have changed. Times have changed. Let go of the past and what you expect to be doing at this point in your life. Understand that you are in a whole new world. This is a new setting. And in every new setting, you get hardened. In every new challenge, you get hardened. And then every issue you go through, 
whether that be sickness, divorce, financial insecurity, <coughs> whatever, it's making you a better person. Now you're more relatable. Now you have empathy. Now you actually really, really, really appreciate just the little things. Mm-hmm. Going out and getting a coffee in the morning, not having pain from time to time, feeling comfortable in your own skin, liking the way you look. Your teeth look whiter than yesterday. You're like, God damn. Yeah. You change your perspective, right? And what if getting fairly sick, uh, I believe one of the reasons we are here is, well, A, to have a really good time and, you know, radiate joy, learn, but but grow your consciousness, become more of a conscious being, right? So if you're sick for a while, let's say somebody gets an illness and they're sick for a year or two, maybe they're meant to learn how to go within. The only way to become more consciously aware is to slow down and go within, right? Like meditation. And we all know that your thoughts can make you sick. And it is a proven fact, your thoughts can make you well. So maybe by having this illness is a way for you. It's an opportunity for you to learn how to go within and heal yourself heal yourself, right? We know thoughts make us sick. I used to do this. I'd lay in bed after I split up with my ex. I could lay in bed and lay there and think of the things he didn't do, the things he did do, blah, 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 right? I would work myself up into this state of anxiety, this state of resentment till my heart is racing. What's the freaking point in that? right? So if you continue that, you're putting yourself into stress mode, okay? So your body cannot heal if you are in stress mode. So if I continue to think about my ex, he wasn't, he wasn't that bad. Trust me, I was overthinking. The guy is, he's a good guy. But what I'm saying is, if I chose to live in that state of resentment and anxiety, I'd probably give myself cancer. Yeah, that's interesting. Getting into the habit of doing those daily meditations is still something I struggle with just because I'm, my brain's always moving so fast. I'm always one, two, three, just like everyone else. You know, the, the phones are in our faces and we're like, oh man, what's going on? Just the idea of stopping for 30 minutes and just breathing is so challenging. And, and that, you know, one of my good buddies actually runs all of the social media for Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, and, you know, he's constantly telling me what's like it, the, every time we talk to him, it's like he went to another planet and came back and he's explaining all these concepts. And I'm just like, bro, what are you on? Because whatever you're on, I want a piece, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember telling Joe when I was because I was sitting across the table having dinner with him in Austin. And I said, you know what? I still suck at meditating. And he goes, don't say that. Any meditation is a good meditation. If you can do a two, three, four, five minute meditation, that is a good thing. You know what I've learned to do? And it's helping me finally sleep for the first time in my life because I have monkey brain too. It's always going. You know what I now do? I lay on my back at bedtime and I watch the pictures behind my eyelids. I will focus on that. You know, you might see like kind of like a purple triangle or something like that. I'll focus on that. And then it'll kind of switch to a white circle, you know, it could be dependent on the other lighting in the room, right? I will focus on what I see behind my eyelids and it's working like a charm. It's shutting my brain down. 
So you'll do that and just, what, do you do deep breaths through the nose and out through the nose or out through the mouth? What's that look like? Yeah, I don't even do the breathing thing, quite honestly, oftentimes. But what I will also do is because I've gotten really good at moving energy through my body. I learned this with Joe. We did a four and a half hour meditation from 4 a.m. until 8.30 a.m. one time in Mexico. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? I can't meditate for 10 minutes. How am I going to? It was supposed to be a four hour, but we went for four and a half. I'm like, how am I going to pull this off? Right? So it was, it was wild. We're laying on the floor. There's like 700 of us laying on this floor in this room in this hotel in Mexico. And I'm just playing with my energy. Other, a lot of other people were snoring and falling asleep. I'm playing with my energy. I'd be like, oh, let's send energy to my right hand. Boom. There it is. Let's send energy to my left knee. Boom. There it is. And I'm just moving it around in my body. So you're right? an energy bender. Yeah. I mean, Hey, we, uh, everything is energy and frequency. Yeah. Right? It seems like, you know, those type of people, you could use the term they're woke or, you know, these, they've unlocked this, this new being. One of my good friends, both, uh, so Anton and Sky, they're actually both in Poland right now with Wim Hof doing the ice, the ice mm -hmm. deal. So, yep. you know, if you guys don't know who Wim Hof is, he's kind of the pioneer of this whole ice bath movement and this idea that through our thoughts, we can control our temperature and, and basically be able to withstand freezing cold temperatures. So when they go out to these, uh, to Poland, one of the challenges at the end of the whole course is to hike a mountain that's like below zero in your boxers and you're basically butt naked and you're just, you hike a mountain and, you know, people aren't getting hypothermia because they're controlling their energy. They're using these breathing exercises. And Sky told me today, he's like, you know, man, I haven't, really ever believed in this stuff i always kind of thought it was just kind of like some whack-a-mole thing or one in five people can do it but not everyone but he's like when we were with Wim, we went deep into some of these deep breathing exercises and i was tripping out he's like this this has to be what dmt feels like i almost have to have sky on the podcast just to explain his experience after it because he was like i saw eyes everywhere i got so deep it was the most charged feeling my hands were curled up like this like during the exercise like almost just like totally effed up and he's like it's totally normal people were walking me through it i was high off of my own supply so you hear this and you're like yo okay so i grew up in the age where in middle school you know people are doing drugs like mdma and co oh, college not middle school let's be real college middle school would be really effed up but college you know people are, are looking for these extra drugs to get them that high and you know if you can get high off of your own supply holy shit that's gonna change everything when that becomes real practice to multiple people around the world to a vast majority of people more people are going to be able to take control of their life start businesses start crushing it and you have found a way to teach others how to do this and that's what's special about you because you figured it out yourself, but the best teachers are the ones that can, well, no, no, let me start over. The best students are the ones that can teach it to other people. Mm. And just recently, you came back from a conference that we were both at and, you know, your business was doing all right, but not nearly capable of what you, you know about and what you can do. And you switched something in your head and your team has been on fire. You've already, you're already up like 5,000 points from last month, just an FYI. I know people don't understand what that means, but it's a lot basically. 
Um, and it's still with five days left in a month. So you're almost already going to increase your business like 40% month over month in one month, just by changing a gear in your mind. How did you do that? Because I mean, you were here, you're, you went high, you were coasting, and then you just tripped something. And now you've created some badass freaking leaders. How did you do it? Well, again, it's my mindset. <clears throat> I told you to give me a number. I said, Ian, give me a goal to hit. Give me a challenge. So Ian gave me some numbers to hit. And I have such control over my own thoughts now that I'm like, game on. That's all there is to it. I will hit those numbers. There will be no other outcome. It's not possible unless, you know, I get hit by a car or something, right? I mean, here I came home and I was sick and I had no voice and it was killing me because I had complete laryngitis and it was absolutely killing me because I have to hit those numbers. So I don't, my, my mind, I have such control over my thoughts that my mind isn't going, oh, maybe you're not smart enough to do it. Maybe you can't do it, blah, 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 blah. No, it's go time. That's all there is. No overanalyzing, right? Just freaking action. When you are analyzing everything, you won't, you're, you're in your own way and you won't do enough action necessary to hit that goal. I don't overanalyze. I just go, right? And that's also my personality type. I'm a blue personality type. I am not green. I have no green in me. I don't need to analyze it. I don't need to map out a plan and put it on a spreadsheet. My brain doesn't work that way. Is it you're a little red though too. You're not just blue. Oh, I'm red too. I'm purple. <laughs> you're purple. I'm purple. So I love to have fun, but I'm very very driven as well right? I'm very driven. Also, red is very much, you know, your leader's alpha personality. I also knew to get the kind of results that I wanted in my life, I had to become more alpha, right? I mean, you, there we go. There's the male energy too, right? But I mean, you, you've got to be an action taker to get Let, the results. Let's circle back. You just said the male energy thing. And we talked about this on the phone recently. I, I want you to explain to people that story about when someone said you had male energy. So the first time I really even came across the whole male, female energy thing, I was with somebody who's huge in the industry, multi-million dollar earner, the whole bit kind of thing. And I was meeting with him to see if we were going to work together. And so we met in his office and I started talking and he goes, whoa, you have really strong male energy. Now, because I didn't know what he was actually saying, I went, oh my God, dude, are you calling me a dude? Because I'm not a dude. What he actually meant was, you girlfriend could totally kick ass because you have strong male energy, which is the energy that takes action, right? So your different male energies, I'm sorry, your different energies, the male energy is, you know, the action taker, get shit done, um, all that kind of stuff, where your female energy is your intuitiveness, your communication, your emotional side. So think about this. For a woman who is only like in touch with her female side, she's not going to take action. She doesn't have that male energy to be that action taker, right? She's more the person to sit on the sidelines and, oh, kind of thing right? Or the dude who is not in touch with his feminine energy whatsoever means he's got shitty communication skills, doesn't connect well with others, 
can't tap into his intuition, probably has a shitty relationship with his wife or girlfriend because when she's crying or whatever, he can't, he, he can't empathize because he's so out of touch with this female energy. So the most balanced people have access to both because when you're a leader, you need to have access to both, right? You've got to have that male energy to kick people into action, to give some people tough love when they need to hear it, to be able to lead by example. But you also have to be in touch with your female energy, which is your communication skills and the loving on people. So when you have access to both, you can give someone some tough love right now and then got on another call and totally love on someone who needs more sympathy and understanding and all that. So it's about being a chameleon with your energies. Yeah, one thing you say sometimes is that you think you're, you, you, you're a little bit self-conscious that you're being too intense. Yeah, yeah, I've always had that fear because that, that male energy is strong in me and I'm to the point where I don't care so much what people think of me anymore. Um, but I also know that I could, I'm still not accomplishing as much as I could or what I am meant to accomplish because I still hold myself back because there's also the whole thing in society, right? A woman who is a go-getter and speaks her mind is a bitch. Guy does it, it's okay. He's just the boss, right? He's the dude, right? But women do that, they're, they're a bitch, they're aggressive, they're bossy, right? It has negative, you know, it's viewed negatively. It's now changing, it, it's changing I feel in this world. But women still have that on them, that they're going to be perceived in that way. So I'm working on trying to get rid of that entirely so I can. I think I'm about 80%. I call it coming out of the closet because it's, kind of, it's hard to become your true authentic self when you still care what people think of you. So I kind of think I'm like 80% of the way, but I still have like 20% that's just waiting to come out. And I need to get to a place where it's like, fuck it. I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm putting myself out there. So you're constantly a work in progress and you're constantly working on yourself. But you're also, I mean, you're involved in an organization where you train like 16,000 people on the regular. Do you get to the point where, did that, first of all, did that scare you to train that many people in the beginning? And then secondly, how do you feel now after doing it for a while? Do you still get nervous right before you're about to train 200 people? It's funny because remember I was saying I had to become the person who could do this. When I first came online and started my business, I said, I will never post a selfie. I will never do a video. I will never speak or host a webinar. I will never speak on stage. I do all of that now. I was too afraid of what people thought of me to even post a freaking selfie. That's how insecure I was. And then I went, how's this going to work? How are you going to make money if you can't even post a freaking selfie? Get over yourself. So I started the whole mental process, right? So again, I have these mind hacks. I take the focus off of me and I put it on the people I'm teaching, right? So if I go live or go to speak in front of a, like a live workshop to teach or speak on stage, what I do is I take the focus off of me. I go, I could say one thing one thing here today that could help someone get better results, change their life, whatever, motivate them. Therefore, 
if I'm going to be a good human being, I need to share my knowledge, my experience, my story. Otherwise, I'm kind of being selfish. If I have a way to help these people and I don't put that out there, if I don't put myself out there, then I'm being a selfish human being. So almost being nervous beforehand is a selfish mindset. You're selfish because of how people are going to think of you, not about you helping these people. And by thinking that, it just changes your whole mindset and settles you down and realizes this isn't about you. This is about everyone else. Yep. That's your ego trying to keep yourself, trying to keep you safe. That is the job of your ego is to keep you safe, to stop you from having your feelings hurt. Right? So that's why you get nervous because it's the unknown and people may, may not like me. They may think I'm too fat, too thin, too stupid, blah, 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 right? I'm not good enough. It's a whole, I'm not good enough thing. So you get all nervous because you're so afraid of what people are going to think of you. So if you take the focus off you and put it on the people you could, you're serving and you also really don't care what people think of you, I've gotten to a place where I've screwed up so many times in front of so many people and worst case scenario, they, they love you even more. They love you even more, right? So what are you afraid of, right? Like if you went out on stage and you were wearing heels and you tripped and you fell flat on your ass, what's going to happen? What's the worst case scenario? People are going to laugh. It's going to raise the energy in the room, right? It's going to raise everyone's vibration. We're all going to laugh about it together and they fall in love with you because they just learned you're totally human. The way it's, you deal with it is you stand back up and you don't get all embarrassed. You go, well, that was smooth. It's so true because we get this ideology in our brains that the people we're talking to all of a sudden morph into this alien race of perfection. This judging perfected alien race that just crushes it with every single thing they do. They are amazing at waking up you know, they piss excellence, they eat healthy, every single thing they do. But so then you get up in front of them and you realize, holy shit, these people are just like me. They're insecure. They have an ego. They're figuring life out. They're going through their own issues. There's so much stuff we don't know. And then you realize you being imperfect in front of all these people is actually helping your cause. So then you realize you can't fail. If you screw up your words, that's normal. If you trip, that's normal. If you say something you didn't supposed to say, that's normal. And then people resonate and feel that vibe. That's so interesting that you mentioned that. You can't fail. You can't screw up. Use it to your advantage. When I screw up, like hosting a webinar for 2,000 people and I can't share my slides, right? That actually happened to me. And I thought, I, oh. but anyway, that boosted my business like you would not believe. So every time I do screw something up, like if you watch my posting, if I screw something up, I'm going to market that. It makes me look human. I am going to market that. I've, that's helped me build my business by me showing that I'm human. I make mistakes because when people see that, they go, dang, if she can host that webinar, completely screw it up in front of 2,000 people, maybe I can start going live. You talk about that thing going live. And I got to say, I feel you. When it comes, like, if you're thinking right now, holy shit, it is so scary to go on Facebook Live. I totally get it. My story is going to relate with so many people with that whole live deal. I didn't go live for a year. 
John Melton was, you know, our mutual friend, John Melton did this video challenge to go live every day for 30 days. I didn't actually do the video challenge, but I saw other people do it. And it always made me feel like super self-conscious because I, I, I knew I wasn't doing it because I just was a little bit afraid. And I remember being on the phone with John and just called him up asking about the live thing. And he just, you know, hit me up. He's like, make money, you make excuses, bruh. You know, he just like <laughs> kept it so real with me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go on live. I went, looked in front of the computer, stared at the live button. And I'm not going to lie for two hours. I'd walk into my room. I'd look at the live, go click live and say, I'm going to go for a walk. And I'd take a walk around the street, come back. I did that about seven or eight times, seven or eight times, two hours, just wasted looking at a screen. Cause I was so terrified of breaking over that boundary. And now when I hit live, I only get just a little nervous. It's more of an awareness than a nervousness. You know what I mean? Aware that, hey, right now we're about to go into battle. We're about to, we're about to spit some brains, talk some game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, when I first started doing video, there was no live. But when I first started doing video, talk about overthinking. I would do like 30, 30 different tries of a two-minute video. It was ridiculous. But I had to be drunk. I had to be drunk to do my first 20, 30 videos. I had to have at least four to six ounces of alcohol in me because I was that afraid. I was absolutely freaking out, you know, on the verge of throwing up the whole bit, right? And then after doing like 20 or 30 videos with four to six ounces in me, I did a video one day and I'm like, wait a second. I didn't even have a drink. Woohoo! And I started doing like 10 videos in an hour. I would change my shirt, put my hair in a ponytail, put different earrings on, and I'd bang out like 10 videos. I'd have a video a day for the next 10 days. And then a long cave came live. And I went through the whole thing again. Oh, this is different. Oh shit. And I looked at that live video, that live button for probably two months before I went, fuck it. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. The only way to get over your fear is you got to go through it. You do it anyway. You put on your big girl or your big boy panties and you do it anyway. And every, every time you step outside of your comfort zone and you do something you're scared to do, it gets, everything gets easier. You up and up and up and up your game, right? Okay. Now I did the selfie, posted the selfie. So the next thing is now I'm going to get someone on a call, right? The next thing is, okay, now I'll do video, right? Now you get comfortable with that. Now I should do a webinar, right? Now I'm comfortable with that. What's left? Got to speak on stage. It's almost like getting an itch. When you get an itch, you need to scratch it. And when you get the itch, you need to go on live. When you scratch it, it's like, oh. But if you don't itch, it just gets itchier and itchier and itchier. And you're like, oh my God, you start losing it. And the fastest way to bring down your vibration and lower your self-esteem is to disappoint yourself. Don't ever forget that. That can destroy you. You being disappointed in you can absolutely destroy you. So don't disappoint yourself. Do what needs to be done. I'm not saying, you know, it has to be perfect by any means. It's great if you did it, but not doing what you know you need to be doing is going to create this disappointment that can crush you. So that leads us to one of the next segments of the podcast, and it has to go with doing a little you know, looking back on life. And, you know, for you, you said it was around 44 for you when you really made this change, this whole paradigm change of, of not being a victim and, and stepping in and, and just absolutely crushing it. But I'm going to kind of go back 
right till say, you know, whether you went to college or not, right towards that after college moment, say 21, 22, if you could have gone back in time and you could have told yourself, you know, one, two or three things, you know, you had like three to five minutes, like, listen up, Aaron, listen up, E, this is, this is your girl from 25 years later talking. What would you say to yourself that could have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, heartache, tears? You name it. And it can't be, even though it's a fantastic answer, I wouldn't have said anything because of who I am. First thing I would have told myself is no one's nearly as focused on you as you think they are. Get over yourself because it's going to hold you back your entire life, right? Get rid of the freaking ego. Next thing I would have told myself is, you know, you're not nearly as stupid as you think you are. You're not nearly as stupid as you think you are. You just chose to believe that when someone said the stupidest little thing, you chose to take that as you're not intelligent, right? Uh, Another thing, go for it. No matter how uncomfortable or scared you are, If something comes your way, an opportunity comes your way, an opportunity for you to grow as a human being, you know, grow your business and everything, but an opportunity for you to become better, you go for it, no matter how scared you are. One of my mentors, he used to always, you know, he doesn't ask me to do things now because he knows I'll do it. Because he knows if it's good for my personal development and the growth of my business, I'm going to do it. Doesn't matter how scared I am. So he doesn't ask me to do things anymore. He just kind of tells me. So I had his voice in my head for like two years, two years, something would come my way. I'd be freaked out to do it. Right. And I'd have him in my head saying, just fucking do it, Birch. Just do it. And I would go, okay, you know, he's telling me to do this. I'll go do it. So I would, I chose to listen to his voice instead of the my own subconscious that voice in my own head i just decided to go with his so what about the whole deal with a lot of people inside of the direct sales industry online entrepreneurs a lot of the times they get into online entrepreneurship is because they feel like they need to not just because of the luxuries of working from home but maybe something like children maybe something like you know having a bad back maybe something like little things that make it so you just can't get up and go to a nine to five and drive every morning for 30, 40 minute commute, like physically or mentally, you just can't do it. So you're almost forced like, Hey, look, I have to figure out a way to make money online or, you know, I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. What would you say to those people though, that have three to six to seven kids or whatever (laughs) that have all the excuses in the world and have no time? How does someone like that build their business? Well, you have to be realistic. A lot, this industry is notorious for people coming in thinking that it's going to be easy peasy. I just have to buy my business in a box, get my kit, look at that thing, and I'm going to have this lovely residual income coming in. That is not the truth, right? If anyone's told you that, you've been lied to. It's called building a business, right? You have to build this. It takes time to build, if you're building a business online, how do you do that? You have to build an audience, right? You have to, to gain credibility, authority, and influence with that audience so that when you're promoting to that audience, you're going to get some sales, right? Some sales and signups. 
if you're not doing the things, building the audience, learning how to engage the audience, if you're not asking for sales, if you're not promoting, you ain't gonna make a dime. So you can't just buy your business in a box. You've got to go through the process. It's a process, right? It works. It works, right? But you have to be willing to go through the process and put in the time, right? And the harder you go, as soon as you start, you can compound years, years into like your first year, right? You can go really slowly and piss around, right? And then go 10 years in, oh, I didn't get very far. Or you can work really hard and do the things you need to be doing every day to move your business forward, work your butt off for a year and create that wave of momentum. You have to build a foundation and create a wave of momentum because when you get that wave of momentum going, you get to ride that forever. And it's simply so, maintain that wave. It's so interesting too, when you look at other career paths, if you were gonna get into insurance, let's look at all the non-traditional traditional ways of building a business. You could get into insurance. They literally tell you it's gonna take five to seven years, even if you're an all-star to build up, you know, a four to $500,000 a month residual income or four, a year, whatever. It's gonna take a long time of building relationships with people gaining their trust, getting the top clients, and then compounding the interest of those clients. If you get a Roth IRA with, say, a fund like Vanguard, they literally tell you it's going to take 20 to 30 years before this becomes something that's truly impactful, your 401k. It's going to take so much time to become impactful. You want to get into real estate, it's going to take time. No one just becomes a millionaire in the first six months of real estate. Please, find me one. I'm going to have interview them on the, on the podcast. But it takes time. But yet when people start their own home-based business, they all think that it's just going to start in a month or two months or three months with them doing half-ass work. Yep. If like the expectations were set from the <coughs> beginning, you stick with us for 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, people would succeed more because they get it. They understand it and they'd play with that mindset. But no, what sells is the quick fix, the lottery ticket. That's what sells. And that's why people go with that. So it's just interesting, the ideology. And I think that's really why you know, we're in a good position because I think that we do a pretty good job trying to set those realistic expectations because the people that make it long-term realize that there's no such thing as a bad day. There's just a learning day and learning days are sometimes the best days because if you're not learning, you're dying. And you have to know what you need to be doing every day to build a successful business, right? You don't just come in here and then fly by the seat of your pants and kind of just do what you think you should be doing. I tried that, didn't work. Right. My first four months in this industry, I made a grand total of $300 until I learned marketing, right? You have to learn marketing. You have to have like a daily plan to follow. You've got to be doing those business building and income producing activities on a daily basis. You can't just make it up and wing it. So that's why, you know, with, with our team, we're so passionate about making sure that people know what to be doing every day. Right. So when you know what you to do every day and you're coachable and you're taking the action every day, you cannot do anything but succeed. You can't. I mean, so I went from my first four months when I didn't know what I was doing and I was doing it all wrong. So I made 300 bucks my first four months, 300 Canadian, 75 bucks a month. Right. Not enough to pay for, you know, my kids. Once I learned marketing and learned how to do this, I ended up creating a six figure business nine months after see the difference not knowing what to do made 75 dollars a month after learning how to do this 
had a six figure business nine months later. So I'm kind of a big believer in learning how to do it and learning marketing. And on that topic of building that team, one thing we always talk about, and I hear you talk about it a lot, is a lot of people listen to you, Aaron, and they're like, yo, okay, well, this chick's clearly a badass. Like, yeah, it makes sense that she can do it. She's red personality. She's a go-getter. She doesn't need to analyze anything. She just takes action. She's hardcore. I could never be that person. But we always like to discuss how everyone's unique and everyone has a different skill set. Some people are loving teddy bears and just want to love, love, help, help, help. Some people are organizers. They just want to organize the events. Some people are analytical. They want to put it on spreadsheets. Some people just want to have a good time. But you put all of that together in one team and you leverage and you have an abundant mindset and you help each other and you contribute to the culture. That's what creates a dynasty. What would you say on that? Completely agree. As soon as you said like the softer, loving, mother-like person, I think of Roxanne, who we work with. She's like the opposite personality of me, wouldn't you say? Yeah. She's like the opposite. So there are times it's like, Roxanne, go and talk to so-and-so because, you know, I'm, because <laughs> you're going to deal better with her, right? Kind of thing. So when you put all these different personality types and all these people with different specialties and different skills together on a team, right? That's when, when you, you work together as a team and you create this entire freaking empire, you know, like everybody on the team knows how non-technical I am and non-green-like. So when I need like something in a spreadsheet or I don't know, a document made or something like that, I'm messaging the person who knows how to do that stuff, right? So working as a team and really playing with your strengths, right? And delegating where you're weak, everybody comes together so that it's hugely beneficial for everyone. Everyone has a specialty. Everyone has strengths. Everyone has weaknesses. You're doing yourself a great service if you become incredibly aware of your strengths and incredibly aware of your weaknesses. Don't get upset about your weaknesses. Those are just the things you can either A, work on or outsource. And that leads us to the conclusion. And it's the ultimate question. And it goes down to what would you say to that person that's currently in their head right now? They're right on the cusp of jumping into entrepreneurship for the first time, whether that be launching that new product, building that website, joining that company, or making just a big shift in their life. And they're scared. They're on the edge. They're analyzing. They don't know if they're making the right move or not. So they're not taking action. What would you say to that person that's right on the fence of, of making a huge move? Well, of course, it's self-doubt. You're not jumping off the fence, making the move because of the self-doubt, right? <coughs> so ask yourself this. Were, what skills do you already have? Did you learn those skills? You did, right? Like I was doing a training for another team actually last night. And one of the gals was talking about how she was talking to a prospect and the prospect said, well, I just don't know if I could do this. And the gal said to her, did you know how to become, a, how to be a mom before you became a mom? No, you figured it out, right? You're not born knowing how to even walk drive, feed yourself, do a fricking spreadsheet, cook an omelet. These are learned skills, right? If you like go easy on yourself, just be open to learning, be cool with screwing up, just market it, right? Be, and and be, be courageous. You know, like, like step into your greatness, 
step into who you're truly meant to be. And if that doubt is complete, is this wall in front of you all the time, I promise you, you're not being who you're meant to be. You're not reaching your full potential when you allow that self-doubt to hold you back. So it's about jumping, right? Jumping off the cliff, as they say, and building your parachute on the way down. Pretend you're a blue personality for a while. Pretend you're a blue red personality. <laughs> Stop being so green. And, and you'll figure it out. Everything is figure outable. And when you're joining a team, you got help. You're not even doing it on your own. You've got all these people around you to help you out. There it is. Aaron Birch, how can people get more Aaron Birch in their life if they want to follow you on social media and continuously just learn from you? Uh, well, definitely on Facebook, Aaron Birch. Uh, my blog is AaronBirchCoaching.com. YouTube channel, Aaron Birch Coaching. I'm on Pinterest and Instagram as well. So I'm kind of on, okay, well, my assistant is really helping me out with all that stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah, I'm on Facebook all day long, but I'm all those places you can find me. Amazing. You know, we, I greatly, I, I tell you all the time, I appreciate that we've got connected. I appreciate working with you. Thank you so much for an hour of your time. I know your time is so valuable and people, you know, are craving your time. So whenever you give it the chances to unleash your heart and just be authentic and real, you really don't know just how many people you're impacting. So appreciate you for being you. And we got great things ahead, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Ian. I really appreciate it. All right. Till next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time. Peace.